the key pin in this whole conversation is the quality of the caretaker. The pig, regardless of where they're housed and how many we have on a farm, relies 100% on the human caretaker delivering their needs and their care and the attention that they rightly deserve every minute during the day. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Ivonic. We are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse. Your manure management experts. MS Gold. The best hygiene products in livestock farming. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Eastman serves veterinarians and nutritionists in agrochemical and animal health industries by helping them select, evaluate, and implement innovative nutritional programs. Eastman works with your team to customize your gut health approach in feed and water. Eastman's approach addresses nutritional and bacterial challenges and finds new ingredient preservation and hygiene solutions. Explore ways to accelerate and innovate your programs. Contact the animal nutrition team at eastman.com. everyone, I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Anna Johnson, who is a professor in the Animal Science Department at Iowa State University. Anna, how are you today? I'm great, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Well, Anna, before we start on our topic today, I thought it'd be good to maybe have you introduce yourself a little bit more, help everybody understand your background, and then we'll jump into our conversation. Okay, very good. Well, thank you for having me here today. I'm delighted to have a conversation with you. Um, very briefly about me, as you can tell, although I'm at Iowa State University now, my accent does not lead me to be a uh, born and raised Midwesterner. Um, I came on an interesting route uh, through England and Scotland, ended up at Texas Tech under the mentorship of Dr. John McGlone and uh, worked uh, first time with, really dug in with pigs at that time, and found my animal, um, loved the pig, loved the industry, loved what was going on in that space, and was so fortunate to be snapped up as a green, very fresh PhD graduate by Dr. Paul Sundberg, and um, had the pleasure of serving the National Port Board for several years, and really dove in with my committee to formulate the first on-farm swine welfare assessment program that's now PQA+. That's what we call it today. And then um, got snapped up by Iowa State back in 2005, and this has been home ever since, and uh, really enjoyed now being um, a cyclone too. Yeah, you've had quite a history, and I think that's, of course, how I know you or how I recognize you with your your name and, and animal welfare, right? Those are synonymous to me, and, and you're one of my go-to people when it comes to behavior or welfare questions. And so today, of course, that's what we're going to talk about, I think, is, right. is animal welfare. Um, and we've recently had some discussions. We've had some podcasts on different parts of animal welfare, um, but one of the pieces that we have left out... Um, 
according to you, is the caretaker. And so I think today, let's just open that conversation up with, you know, that animal welfare and the caretaker component. And so yeah, in, uh-huh. in your mind, Anna, how important is that caretaker? So all critical. Absolutely critical. I mean, when we strip it completely down and we get into definitions and what to measure and all, all the, the noise, when you simplify it, the key pin in this whole conversation is the quality of the caretaker. The pig, regardless of where they're housed and how many we have on a farm, relies 100% on the human caretaker delivering their needs and their care and the attention that they rightly deserve every minute during the day. And so if a caretaker simply doesn't turn up for work one day or um, does sees something that needs to be fixed and chooses not to because their shift is about to end, the pig is going to have problems or be challenged or may even suffer in that situation. And so we really talk, I mean, and myself too, pig welfare, swine welfare, pig welfare, you'll hear me monitor that the whole time and chat about that. But when you when you take a breath and a beat and and think about it, the human caretaker is sometimes very undervalued. And okay. I think that they should be part of that core conversation when it comes to swine production, quite frankly. I don't disagree. One of the things though, I think we, we struggle with with that caretaker is the training. Right? So how do we bring someone into this piece? Um, because you're right, we say it all the time, animal welfare, pig welfare, but we don't really talk about how we help that person understand their role because again we might use that word to them well we just want animal welfare and that's priority but how do you take that caretaker and start to explain what welfare really is yeah absolutely well i think the first thing we have to think through is more and more of our caretakers are not always born and raised in that farming community and actually i'm fine with that i sometimes like to take really green people that do not come in with training and I'm going to say training, right? And they have sometimes been my absolute best students on farm because they're willing to um, open these and close this and engage this, right? So, so that 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 is really really great. Um, it doesn't matter if you if you've had many generations of farming or not. I think you can mold and shape a fantastic caretaker from either. So for anybody listening, because I've never been on a pig farm or I'm unsure, but I'm interested, dive in. I think we we want you. We we relish people if you have the heart and the passion um, to listen and learn. Um, then I think a lot of it will come down to companies being really mindful about investing. They are a massive investment. They're an important investment that sometimes I think does get overlooked too. We talk about investment in genetics, investment in a nutritional program, investment in health. Absolutely. I'm not belittling any of those. They are critically important to our production systems. But the investment in people, I think, is something that we really need to think through carefully, not just finding but keeping those individuals, what makes that person tick, getting to know them, 
tailoring some of those um, trainings around what they um, have more strengths and weaknesses in. And having input from our caretakers periodically is really important as well. How are you doing? What can I do in my role to make your job better or more efficient? You know, having those barn conversations right there in front of that sow in her farrowing stall are sometimes the most informative conversations that drive the way I teach and think and research and apply and do. They're doing this job day in and day out. They're the experts at the end of the, at the end of this conversation, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But how do you get somebody started though? So you, you can have those conversations, but are there some some materials or formats that they can use initially to kind of give them some broad ideas of how to take care of an animal, right? And I, I understand we don't want them yeah. to know maybe too much right away until mm -hmm. we get them no. into our barns, but yes. are there some general pieces that we can kind of lead them into for training? Yeah, and I think I think small manageable pieces, Laura, is the best way to 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 really do this. I mean, we are usually un understaffed, right, on our farms, and we sometimes run the risk of fire hosing them with so much information that they don't have the ability to absorb it and and think through and then and get and get competent in skills. So I think that where we can really benefit is actually having mentors on the farm. Um, and or a training crew that goes around the farms, either ones will work, but somebody that's really um, solid in their job and thinks and goes back to when they started and to sketch out what did I really need to know on that first day or by the end of the first week or two weeks. It's a gradual increase in those soft skills and those practical skill sets. Mm -hmm. um, that can really help. Plus, the industry does have some great tools out there. National Port Board has a lot out there. State associations have um, tools and programs already in place. Many of us are expected to do PQA, right? Certification within 90 days. Um, so there's lots of different, there's not really one way of doing it. It's the culture of your farm, the culture of your company. Um, but I do sometimes see them being overloaded with too much information straight away and taking time to explain to them the why instead of just the how is important and their role and understanding the importance of their job. They may not understand why we do certain things with that suckling piglet and how the important that is when it moves up into nursery and then maybe in that grow finish, Right. And so the way that we handle them, the way that we process them, the aftercare that we give them, the importance of getting sows up every day and checking them or multiple times, it's like, get a sow up. Okay. But more importantly is why should you get a sow up every day? And then they understand that task and it makes sense to them. And sometimes that explanation just gets lost in the day-to-day -day bustle of being on a farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one of the other things I've actually kind of heard with, especially the mentor program, but, is a time frame, right? Okay, yeah. we're going to mentor them for six weeks or three months or whatever. Uh, what's your take on mentorship and particularly how often we should be training individuals? So is, is it really six months of training and you're done or is there more to this process? Um, I think you and I are both lifelong learners, Laura. Mm -hmm. 
Little... And I, 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 and every time I think I, I know something, then sometimes that may get turned on its head. Or every time I go on a farm, I learn something new all the time. I'm always learning. So I think that there is structure. And I think that as a company or somebody who's training, you know that they have to have some of those basic things um, taught and understand within a certain time frame. We don't want to have to keep having the same conversation on how to handle a baby pig or how to move a boar all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think learning ever ends and it shouldn't end. And again, they can bring questions and no question is stupid. They bring the questions to someone that they trust or somebody who is mentoring them. And we continue with those conversations because you know what? They may have been taught to do things certain ways, but they could see a way of changing it to make it better for themselves and the pig. And I relish those conversations because policies and programs should always be evolving to be better. Mm -hmm. I agree. And improving. Yeah, I agree. One of the the things that popped into my mind was having, you know, monthly farm meetings and having mm -hmm. a caretaker welfare conversation. Yeah. Are there little videos or clips or, you know, pieces out there that, you know, they could, you know, split cycling or, or, you know, why we need to claustrum in a pig is, are there pieces of information out there that maybe we can provide to individuals so they could do a monthly welfare check-in with their farm staff? Yeah, there's lots, there's lots out there. And there are some farms, um, integrators and companies out there that have really taken this and run with the baton. It's like fantastic. And they'll, they'll do like snapshots or picture shots or particular topics, or it could be that one of the caretakers has brought to them a concern and they will then frame that training or that topic like a, as a lunch and learn. So that that's the nice thing too. It's not that they're just being told what to learn, but it can be um, bilateral communication. Like I know I do have to teach you these things and you need to hear it, but also what can you bring to the table? What ideas could could you could you bring? And if they're not comfortable in uh, approaching their head of department or their farm manager, they're, they're, they're cautious about it, um, a box, an anonymous box where they can just pop some ideas in. Now, of course, even someone might say, oh, they might know my writing. And you're right. They might know your writing. But, you know, hopefully you have an open enough conversation where you can say, I would like to talk about this, this, this training or this, this topic, or, or maybe it is, um, some of the more difficult things about relationships that happen on the farm between caretakers at the same level or between maybe your your lead or more difficult, the farm manager. But sometimes we're not all um, working and rowing in the same boat on, on the farm and we have to have some of those, those kind of conversations as well. Mm -hmm. What about uh, farms that might be dealing with different languages and trying to communicate welfare? Um, that can be a challenge, right? Particularly the why. We're all yes. pretty good at pointing and directing people when we can't yes. communicate, but how do we help with the why? Yes, I mean that's it is it is difficult. We have a uh, larger Hispanic population coming into our farms who are absolutely critical and so important to the day to day functioning. Um, that can be done in a lot of different ways too. Um, programs and material are now often translated into Spanish. And so having access to both of those things is important. But I often find that there is usually one or two individuals 
on the farm that are bilingual or um, can can converse back and forward. And so that can help or having being mindful on when you hire trainers, making sure that you have a trainer that is fluent in Spanish is an important consideration as well. Um, maybe podcasts could be translated. Perhaps there could be outside resources that they could tap in and bring into the farm as well. So I think you have to just get really creative and think about what works for you. That's the thing with the swine industry. It's not to me cookie cutter. It needs to have some flex. And yes, we still all need need to know how to handle a neonate piglet correctly or a boar correctly and not move into some welfare issues. There's a bait, there's some expectations. But how we teach and how we learn, we know that, Laura, from students. Wouldn't it be easy if all students learned exactly the same way as us? That would be great. <laughs> Lectures would be a would be a doddle, right? But we realize that we've got visual learners and we've got data learners and we've got word learners and we've got everything in between. And we have to do our due diligence as an instructor to get to know them and understand how they process and think and learn. And that's tricky. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those are great suggestions. One of the other things that pops into my mind is is auditing. And I know we've already covered auditing, but mm -hmm. more from a caretaker perspective. So I know in my own experience, when they knew they were having an outside auditor, there was a lot of nervousness yes. associated with this. And and maybe kind of help walk through, particularly if you're doing an internal audit, right? So the owner of the farm is coming in or or even the farm manager is just doing their own internal assessment. Mm -hmm. Walk me through how you should approach the caretakers to better understand their welfare approach so that you can do an effective audit. Yeah, it, and I've been on both the auditor and the auditing side, so I can, I've can i worn both hats and, and I can tell you it's nerve wracking because even if you are doing your job and doing it well and recording, or is that, oh, is there something I'm missing, right? Um, but one, it's a, it's a team effort for a start. That's one thing, it, all the team needs to be doing their job every day and if you are yes you may lose a point for something that's broken right because it's a pig farm but it's not a willful or a gross issue that's going to fail fail the farm but i think for caretakers the way to approach caretakers is you one you could practice questions right so that could be part of the lunch and learn if someone came up to you and asked what your job was and you said you were a day three farrowing tech okay, do you do piglet processing or vaccinate? Yes, I do. And you could practice some of this back and forth in a in a comfortable space. So it's not the first time that they're asked a question is by an auditor. That's that's shocking. But I'm going to push back on the auditors too. There's a, there's a professional way of going in to do auditing and going in and barking orders at people or being condescending to our caretakers is not the right approach to ask a question either. So I know the questions I need to ask. I know what the answers need to be. But if they struggle on a question or they suddenly have a brain freeze on a question, I'm like, it's fine. We'll come back to that. It's okay. And then sometimes what I'll do is I'll be like, so tell me, what were you doing just before I came in? And we make it more conversational, And I, but I'm still getting the information back. And all of a sudden their eyes begin sparkling. They are passionate about it, but I'm still getting my answers written. So it's a two-way street. We can prepare the caretaker, but auditors also need to go in with professional practice and not to be condescending about it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great observation and comment. And I do like that. 
You do see that, that a lot on farm when you start more conversationally. Yes. People yes. are more engaged yes. with it, right? Much more. In, it is a conversation and you're still getting the information that you need, but they're feeling less like the spotlight is on you and sit in the chair and I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you've got five seconds to answer. I mean, come on. None of us want to be in that situation. That's just brutal. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, one of the other pieces I want to throw out here with the caretaker in particular is as we think about labor shortages and, and technology coming into the barn to kind of help assist those those caretakers, what are maybe some things that we should be thinking about in particular with the caretaker relative to some of the new technology and how that relates to welfare? Is it good? Is it bad? Yeah. You know, what should we be watching? I think I think it's great. I think it's really exciting space. The one thing I'll say right up front, it's not to replace people, but it's to help support their job and make them more efficient in what they do. So we do have um, labor issues and we have more pigs to veterinarians now and caretakers. The ratio is 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 large, right, for, for, for most farms. And it's every pig and every day. And that can be challenging when you're looking after thousands of pigs, okay? So I think that these technology, these targeted technologies um, can be can be really helpful. And I think that this space is only going to continue to flourish. Um, and I think having tools which are in real time is where we need to be, Laura. So okay. where I'm saying with that is if we can provide some kind of like um, ear tag of some sort that can get those biometrics on that pig, um, can get activity levels on that pig, feeding and drinking, and it's all kind of barcoded in, in into that um, ear tag and it automatically goes to a computer in in the manager's office. So every day, um, you know, a report would be would be pulled, but that report would really be focusing in on those animals that need attention. Um, so that could be moving into the hospital pen. That could be a form of antibiotic treatment. That could be providing them with something else in their environment, such as a comfort mat. But you're still seeing all the pigs every day. I'm not saying you don't, but then it allows you to be more targeted in locating those animals in a more timely fashion. And I think that would really help our caretakers because, you know, they'll they'll do the walkthrough, of course, but then they're like, okay, I need to really focus in on this sow and this litter. Or I really need to go and find this teaser ball because he seems to be he didn't he didn't eat this morning or for some reason. And so they get that real time report when we're not always quite there yet. But um, wow, those tools would be super helpful for our caretakers and it would empower them then to get onto treatments more quickly. And a slight toe tap is where I want to find a sow. I don't want a pronounced lame. It's too, it, we, We've gone too far at that point and that's not okay for the welfare of the animal because she's probably been ratcheting up to that pronounced lame. Exactly, exactly. Well, just to build off of that, are there current technologies that that you find very useful for the for the caretaker or ones that they really enjoy having access to today? Mm -hmm. I think um, in the space of technology, which has been really helpful, has been those um, technologies that are able to assist with identifying pig weight in that finishing barn. Um, it's a super helpful platform and tool because. Um, Either it's someone's job, either well, within the farm or we have to have someone come into the farm to be able to um, sort out and locate those those pigs that have reached 
that particular grid or that that market weight to come out. And that gets pigs riled up, right? Because they're moving about. And so the caretaker or that person is in. Um, those pigs are being um, moved um, around. And um, that's rough on the caretaker. And that's rough on the pigs that are then having to leave to market. And we don't want to, to damage either of them. Personally, pace speaking, when we're in a pen and I'm having to do audits and the pigs are about to be pulled and they're 310 and 320 pounds with very big mouths and they're, they're biting machines. I can tell you, my friend, it's not fun. So having some of those um, technologies, I think, can really be a safety for the caretaker, which is a big thing. Um, it's less stress on the pig. And some of these technologies are pretty darn accurate now. So I think producers or caretakers would look to those kind of things and go, that's a nice thing. I like that a lot, right? <laughs> As I said, finding some of these air tags that can flag those pigs that have not got up and eaten, uh, haven't been drinking very, very um, well. Um, many of our drinking behaviors in pigs will change two or three days prior to clinical signs coming out. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. again, allowing, and you know what, caretakers want to be proactive in my experience. And so waiting until the pig is thumping or has diarrhea um or is paddling too late <laughs> we need to be finding some of these things two or three days early doing early interventions doing targeted interventions that have more success for the for the pig and then the caretakers not having to deal with so many sickly animals which psychologically is important for them absolutely it's a great point i'm going to circle back a little bit on the the training mm -hmm. one other thing that popped into my mind is you know are there any any conversations or anything you'd like to share that the caretakers would like to have in terms of training or information that that we're maybe not providing as well today? Mm -hmm. I, I think the big thing on the training side is really how they fit into the farming system as a whole. So the importance of what they're doing and why they're doing it, how that influences not just the pig today, but also the pig as it moves through its phases and more importantly, the quality of the product, the nutritious product and what they're, what they're doing for the greater good. In, in, in agriculture as a whole, let, let's, let's step into welfare with me. Come, come with me back into welfare for a second. Videos that tend to go out about farming practices and what we do every day on our farms are tend to not be put us in the best light. <laughs> and we're always in a reactive defense attack mode, right? And um, we should be really proud of being in animal agriculture. This is a, a noble profession. And if I didn't think it was, I would have got out years ago. And I work with people who, it's not always a nine to five job, Laura. Right. Okay. And if that sow is having difficulty in farrowing, we don't just go, oh, I'm clocking off. Here <laughs> I go. We're there in that barn until that sow is stabilized and those piglets are suckling and we're ready to rock and roll. We have to go out in blizzards. We have to deal with natural weather events. We've had to row to our farm so we can check on pigs or we stay with those pigs and we sleep on the office floor. That's the side of the caretaker. That's the side of agriculture that gets lost in the noise. And I'm very passionate that we should be proud of our caretakers and proud of what they do every day because you and I have power washed and we have castrated and mm -hmm. we have pulled piglets and we have 
moved finishing pigs and loading them is not easy work. Right. Okay, so I think sometimes that in the training and that in our communication piece and the importance needs to be elevated far more than it does. Absolutely. That's very powerful. Mm. Well, on that note, um, that actually kind of concludes our, our time, but maybe have you kind of do a little bit of just a a key phrase or a couple of key points that you would like for the group to, to walk away with besides the tele caretaker side of the story. I think that's an mm-hmm. awesome, that's an awesome yes. key point to take away from today. Yes. Yes. Um, well, be, be proud to be part of a fantastic industry. Know that you're valued because I value those caretakers enormously. Um, and know that you're working in a, in a noble, in a noble space. So I think those would be my take home messages for the caretakers because they work really hard. And sometimes I think they feel undervalued and they should never feel undervalued. No, I agree. Couldn't agree more. It's time for our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high healthy registered purebred swine on the globe having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Well, as we kind of move away from the topic, one of the things we like to do from our guest speakers is ask you a few questions. The first question I would ask you is, is there a resource that you recommend for the topic today that we covered? The pig? Uh, the pig, <laughs> the welfare, take well, a yeah, right? No, the pig, the pig, really, the pig and people, the two, the two combinations. I tell you, I learned probably more in sharing into a facility and spending several hours on a farm and walking it and talking and watching and observing if you ever run out of ideas for research, which you never should, get an upturned bucket, sit in a pig barn for an hour or two, and I guarantee you the wealth of information that will come to you and the ideas. But on it, joking aside, the caretakers and the producers and the people are, are the people are, are the ideas that drive me, and I shape what I teach and what I do and how I how I um, practice is really really by the pigs and the people, and the pigs will honestly tell you if something's a silly idea or not. You don't think it's the best thing since sliced bread and then I will do something and the pig will totally destroy it or just walk away from it and I feel very humbled and then I have to go back and, and rethink that. So there we go. The Probably the pig and the people there. Perfect resources for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, too many times I've been made a fool up by a pig. So yes, uh, I, we so all have. We yes. all have. Yep, Absolutely. Well, how about something that, that you're reading today that's not related to the pig? Is there anything you'd like to share with the group? I do. And I wrote it down here to get it correct. It's called Lessons in Chemistry 
and it's by uh, Bonnie Garmus. And it's a really interesting, I think it's based on a true story, but it's really written from a uh, a woman's viewpoint. And she really wanted to be a scientist, a chemist. And she was in the 50s and the 60s. And the, um, the difficulty of her um, being able to even publish her own work in her own name and seeking grants and having the opportunities that men had and women didn't. And it's not that long ago, right? So um, there's, there's parts of the book that make me very angry um, and very passionate. And I thank, thank uh, that we are in a very different situation um, today. Uh, um, but it's a really excellent read. And it, several times I've laughed out loud with it. So it's a good book. <laughs> very good. I'll have to pull that one off the shelf and yes. read that one. Yes. Well, my last question for you today, Anna, really comes back to if you could think of someone um, that has impacted your life that you have defined as successful and success looks however you choose to define it is there some trait that they have possessed that's allowed them to be successful yes i would say that the trait has been to be humble and to um listen and not think about the answer right but truly engage and truly listen so be humble drop that title if you say I'm Dr. Johnson and you go on a pig farm, everyone clams up. If I put my hand down and go, hi, my name is Anna, let's talk. It's a whole different conversation, right? So being humble and then really truly engaged and listening and not being distracted is a trait that I try and um, practice myself every time I go out onto, onto a farm, every single time. Yeah. I will yeah. only drop the Dr. Johnson to people who I need to, but um, I really try not to do that because if you drop those titles, it's it can really be a, a conversation stifler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great point. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Those are they're excellent answers to those questions. Thank um, you. Yeah, and I, I see that our time is up. So I do want to again thank you, Anna, for your time today. For our listeners, this was Dr. Anna Johnson, who is a professor at Iowa State University in the Animal Science Department. Anna, thank you so much. No, thank you, Laura. Thanks, it's been great talking to you. And again, appreciate your caretakers. They work very hard. Thank you.